This week we turn again to the book of Galatians for our second to last sermon in this book. Uh, This week we will read again, as we have been reading for a number of weeks, the last few verses of the book of Galatians. So I'd ask you to turn there with me to Galatians chapter 6. We'll read verses 11 through the end of the book, the end of the chapter, verse 18. This is the word of God and it is eternally true. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul has spent his life shepherding God's flock faithfully. He has been a faithful shepherd, and he has not been a hireling who runs when the wolf comes to devour the sheep. Now, Jesus warned against such false shepherds, and the Apostle Paul has made himself, commended himself to the people as a faithful shepherd. And when our Lord warned against unfaithful shepherds, false shepherds, hirelings, the Apostle John recorded what he said in John 14. And if you have a Bible, turn there with me. John, actually not John 14, John 10, verses 7 to 16, I want to read to you. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 7. It says there, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, it's very difficult for us to enter into Scripture today because we are the people that have grown up on farms. And not having grown up on farms, it's hard for us to relate to texts like this. Doors of sheep, thieves and robbers, uh, pasture, thieves. What is he talking about? What's the point here? Well, the point is that the wealth of agrarian communities is bound up in the livestock. And there are always efforts on the part of whether it is uh, evil men or whether it is evil animals Wolves, it's, it's, it's the point to steal the wealth of the shepherd or the wealth of the farmer or the rancher that he works for. And Jesus is saying that he is the one who is the door, who is the faithful protector of the sheep. And he goes on in verse 11 and he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand... And not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. And so Jesus is saying that he protects his sheep. You remember earlier, and how hast I offended? You remember that it says that the good shepherd gave himself up for his sheep. Well, what's going on there? It doesn't make any sense. It's not the good shepherd that gives himself up for the sheep, is it? It's actually the Lamb of God who gives himself up for the sheep. The unblemished and the spotless Lamb of God. 
And yet in the hymn it says that the good shepherd gives himself up for the sheep. And so we have to be able in our minds to transfer backwards and forwards and to see the interrelatedness of different texts of Scripture. And so Jesus is the spotless Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is the good shepherd who gives his life up for the sheep. He's the Lamb of God. He's the shepherd, the good shepherd. Well, it's not enough for us to see him as the Lamb of God and the shepherd. We also must understand that as he was the shepherd, he has appointed shepherds over his church. And this is a great scandal to us today. Because as Americans, we're convinced that we don't need any shepherd. After all, our country was founded on the principle that it's innately evil to have a Lord. And so we we turned down the King of England, and we have no king. And when uh, Bonnie Prince Charles uh, visited Chicago a number of years ago, I was reading the Chicago Tribune about it, and, oh, man, they were just so full of themselves saying, what a great nation this is where we don't have royalty. But, oh, he was entertained as royalty when he came to Chicago. You know, they had out out at the the Oak Brook, uh, uh, out in the city of Oak Brook, they have a polo club. And Bonnie Prince Charles went out there and was entertained like our royalty who have their own crests and their own castles. And he was among the blue bloods of our nation, the aristocrats. And the pictures were taken and at the same time we preened ourselves as not being a nation that honors royalty. We're democratic, aren't we? Right? We're so democratic. And so when it comes to the church, we're democratic. And we don't need a pastor. I mean, it's nice to have a sermon if it points to the cross. Nothing more, the cross. And if the pastor knows his boundaries, which is that he should make sure that he doesn't say to us in person what he says to all of us from the pulpit... Keep it impersonal, keep it public, make it a show, make it dramatic. But don't ever say to me in person what you said from the pulpit. Because we are democratic. You see? As I've often said, we hate authority. Whether it's the authority of a king that we have to call Lord and bow in front of. Or it's the authority of a pastor that we have to accept rebuke from. We hate authority. And Jesus says what? He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says what? He says, I give my life for the sheep. Well, who is he giving his life to anyhow? Who is Jesus giving his life to? Or another way of asking is, who's taking Jesus' life? Yeah, the Lamb of God whose blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, but he also says he's the good shepherd who, what? When the wolf attacks, he won't run. And then, very interestingly, he appoints apostles, 12 of them, and when we get to the end of the Gospels, and we know that Peter did what Jesus predicted, which is that he betrayed his master, we find one of the final things that is recorded in the Gospels is that after Peter betrayed his master, what did his master say to him? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He's not so cocky anymore. Even if they slay me, I'll never betray you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus says what? He says what? He says, feed my sheep. Behold the Lamb of God whose blood is shed for the... I am the good shepherd. Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now, if Peter... And the other apostles, and if pastors and elders and deacons and Titus two women are to feed the flock, how will you know whether or not they're faithful shepherds? How will you know it? Well, here we have at the end of the book of Galatians a very poignant statement. We have an exclamation. The Apostle Peter cries out in anguish. Can you recognize it? And what does he say? 
From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on the body the brand marks of Jesus. And in our timid and emasculated and pathetically wimpy age, where the only people who are manlier play on a football team and bear the brand marks of the owner of the Chicago Bears. Where are the brand marks of Jesus in the ministry, the gospel ministry? Where are the brand marks? Where are they? Apostle Paul ends, doesn't end the book the way evangelicals would end it. Evangelicals would end it where? Evangelicals would end it at the climax. But may it never be that I would boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And we're there, you know. (laughs) That's what you were made to proclaim, Paul. And then what? He ruins it. He ruins it. That's the climax of the sermon. Why does he go on? What an idiot. And the next thing he says, for neither is circumcision. Oh, please, Paul, do we have to think about that again? But neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. And we go, Paul. Get a sense of proportion. You had the cross. What are you doing? Stick with the cross, Paul. Stick with the cross. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. What is wrong with this man? I mean, really, what is wrong with him? And so I ask you again today in the gospel ministry, where are the brand marks of Jesus Christ? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? This is not a rhetorical question. Are they on Trinity Broadcasting Network? So many of you get offended at me for, for calling down God's wrath on Trinity Broadcast. Oh, you have fits when I say that. I say, do you see the brand marks of Jesus Christ on Trinity Broadcasting Network? Do you see that they take off their coats and you can see the scars on their backs? Is that how they commend their ministry to you? My brother's church is thinking of buying a church up in Toledo that comes out of this wonderful, wonderful new reformation of Pentecostalism. And guess what? You go in the church and guess what? The first thing you see, even outside, peering in because you don't have a key to the door, and you're wondering what it would be like to have church there. I was there a few weeks ago. What do you see? You look in and immediately look up and what? All the ceilings are covered with gold. Well, they have the brand marks of Jesus. You look on the sets, and it's, oh, very important men. They sit in gold thrones. How are they different than the Pope? Exactly how. How are they different than St. Paul's and St. Peter's? How are they different? Do they have the brand marks of Jesus? Is that what it is? It's gold thrones? Is that what it is? And what about me? Wouldn't it be better if I had the brand mark of Jesus? What could I do? Well, I could put on a robe. And wouldn't, wouldn't you feel that it was more appropriate that I was an authority over you if I had a robe on? After all, judges have robes. At least I could take off this stupid bow tie. <laughs> you know? What is the brand mark of Jesus that the gospel ministry commends itself to us today? What is it? What is it? Do you think that this doesn't matter? Why did the Apostle Paul end his book with this? The Apostle Paul is doing what? The Apostle Paul is bringing to a conclusion a book on which the souls of his sheep depend. That's what he's doing. And he makes it personal at the end. He doesn't end with some theological and doctrinal formulation and, oh, it's wonderful, and we go home and eat our fancy lunches. 
He ends by saying, don't hassle me, because I have the brand marks of Jesus. And what did he just get done doing? He just got done making it very personal. He went through and he ticked off all of the characteristics of those who were false shepherds in Galatia. They want to escape persecution. And we have the ability of reading that and not thinking particular people, particular places, names. Do you think anybody in Galatia didn't know who those men were who were escaping persecution? Everybody knew who they were. Do you think they didn't know who bore the brand marks of Jesus? Everybody knew who it was. It was Paul. Now, I'm going to do something here. And truly reformed people will be absolutely opposed to this because what I'm about to do is actually use drama in a worship service. It's awful. I mean, isn't that what we're opposed to? We have word-centered ministry, right? Okay, all right, fine. Okay. Now, what I would like to do is I would like to have Dave Carell, if he's here. Dave, are you here? Would you come up, please? David Canfield, would you come up? Uh, Dan Sparks, would you come up? Uh, And then I would like to have uh, Esther and uh, Lauren and Jenna and Jody come up. Now, I want you to stand here, David. And Dave, I would like you to stand with Dave. And Dan, I would like you to stand right here in the middle. Jody and Jenna, Esther and Lauren, I want you to just stand in the middle. Now, I want you to go over and stand here facing me. All right? Now, I want you to picture this. David and Dave are Judaizers. Okay? They're Judaizers. What they do is they tell people that Jesus is good, but you need a little more. Be circumcised. Your husband should be, your son should be, be circumcised, right? No big deal. They love Jesus. They're in the church. No big deal, right? They're the Judaizers. They're the circumcision. They're the enemy, all right, in the book of Galatians. Now, these people, can you make the noise of a sheep? Okay, these are sheep, okay? They're all sheep, okay? Now, here is the Apostle Paul. He's facing David and Dave, and they're what? Tell me, what are they? They're wolves, right? Here's the sheep, make your noise. Okay, and the Apostle Paul sends this this. this this screaming letter into the midst of the sheep. There's blood caked on the wall, incommoding the passers-by. Okay? There they are. The wall is flying. There's blood and guts, and the sheep are, come on, and they're over there saying what? What do you say about me? Come on, what else do you say, David? Come on. Loudly. I'm wacko. Okay, and what am I saying about them? They're just doing this so they can escape persecution. And the sheep are doing what? And they're saying what? Come on, now say it. You're out of proportion. I'm lunatic, right? And they're doing what? And I say, from now on, let nobody hassle me, because I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus, and the sheep are doing. Now, the sheep have to do what? What do the sheep have to do as we come to the end of the book of Galatians? And I go over there and I say, they're escaping persecution. They want you to mark your body so they can brag in your flesh. And they're saying what? And you're saying what, David? Come on. Come on. You can do better than this. You've heard it from these people. What is it? What do they say? Come on, yell it. You're crazy. You're controlling. You're authoritarian. You're you're an antinomian. You hate the law. You're not Jewish. And the sheep are doing what? (laughs) 
we got to have that again. (laughs) 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 All right, now listen to me, sheep. Choose. Choose. Right now, choose. Which side are you going to? Choose. I win. Okay, please please be seated. You guys, let me ask you this question. Is that what the book of Galatians is? Is that what the book of Galatians is? Is that what the book of Galatians is? Yes or no? Yes or no? That is what the book of Galatians is. Now, this is how Satan gets you. What Satan tells you is that we had to have that once, so we never have to have it again. That's what Satan tells you. Satan tells you that the book of Galatians is in this book so that we don't ever have to have Galatians again. The cross was protected, and from then on, the church and the sheep were safe. That's what Satan tells you. Is that true? Was it true in the time of the Reformation? Let me ask you, how many people were truly believers in the time of the Reformation? How many? Was it the whole Roman Empire? All believers? What do you think? Do you think anything was at stake with Martin Luther? You know, you read Calvin and Luther on this text. You know what they say? They say this is why we're being persecuted today. Because we're standing for the cross of Jesus Christ. Were Martin Luther and John Calvin opposing circumcision? No, they weren't. What were they opposing? They were imposing indulgences. They were opposing the worship of Mary. They were imposing pomp and circumstance. You want to read. Open up Calvin's sermon on this text. You can get it today in English and read what he said. Well, here, let me read it to you. Here's what Calvin says. Calvin says, since a man is fleshly and earthly, he will always be inclined to follow the thing that carries a glorious show to his senses. Now, what is Calvin talking about in the time of the construction of the Sistine Chapel? He says it consists of the brokenness and sinfulness and stupidity of man that he always chooses the things that put on a great, great show. What is Trinity Broadcasting Network? What is it? It's just one more Sistine Chapel, but it's oh so vulgar. I mean, that's what we really think. What we think is that the era of Trinity Broadcasting Network is not that they're trying to put on a show, but their show is so blue-collar. It's so working class. (laughs) Oh, and, and oh boy, you know, we, we, we're not so vulgar. We put on the right show. We have organs and, and no stained glass windows, but... Oh, our music, our music. It's just glorious. It puts, oh, what a, what a show. When I hear four-part harmony, I have to tell you, I've entered ha- heaven. Heaven. And so y- you come in to the Reformation and you say, was there anything at stake? Did the sheep have to choose? Were Martin Luther and John Calvin really needed? Did they really have to oppose the pomp and circumstance and vanity of Rome? Couldn't they have just preached justification without... Does does John Calvin really have to warn against pomp and circumstance? He says, let us understand furthermore that he will not have us... Now, this is Calvin. Let us understand furthermore that he will not have us any longer tied to the outward things which he ordained in the time of the law. Can't he stick with justification by faith alone? No longer will he have us tied to the outward things that what? That led at the time of the law. But he will have us be contented with Jesus Christ alone and with the perfection that is in him. 
Again, Calvin, when he speaks of the marks of our Lord Jesus Christ, he sets them against all the coats of armors of princes, against all their crowns and scepters, against all the badges which they have to honor themselves by, or to purchase for themselves any majesty or reverence to the world would. When a prince intends to keep his estate, he will furnish and apparel himself in such sort as men shall not be able to look upon him without dazzling their eyes. And they do it oftentimes because they have not in themselves anything to win estimation. And so they borrow the estimation elsewhere. And you see it in the fashion of worldlings who set themselves out with pomp and bravery and use many things to get themselves a reputation. What do they use? Well, they use gold. They use all the beauty of this world and they say, we are the true church. If you go up to Willow Creek, what does it say to you? Huh? You ever been there? How many of you have been to Willow Creek? What does it say to you? I'll tell you what it says to you. I grew up there. I grew up in DuPage County. Willow Creek tells you, we have the brand marks of corporate America and we are the best. That's what Willow Creek tells you. The organization, the management. DuPage County doesn't honor the gold of St. Paul's and St. Peter's. And it doesn't honor the music of Bloomington. It honors corporate America. This is DuPage County. I know it. I grew up there. And so what does Willow Creek do? It gives you the pomp and circumstances of DuPage County. You've got Starbucks. You've got Krispy Kreme donuts. Or whatever kind are in vogue today. Maybe Panera. I don't know. And everything works with precision. And they go out and they ask people as they plant the church by their own testimony, they ask them, what do you want in a church that you have not had until now? And the people all say one thing clearly, and they say this, we want anonymity in the church. The corporate world, anonymity. You, you go, you pay your money, you get your product, you know? We want to be able to pay our money and get our product, and we don't want to know you. We want the church to become a time machine, an ATM, or a drive through at worst. Right? And so Willow Creek has the pomp and circumstance of the world. You say, well, that's not fair. I say, okay, fine. Can you recognize and name for me what is the competitor for the glory of Jesus Christ in the evangelical world today? And you're going to say, well, no, I hadn't thought of it. And I say, okay, it's Willow Creek. I've thought about it. And you say, well, that's not fair. I say, until you tell me what it is, don't tell me what it isn't. What about all these publishing houses? Billions of dollars. Why do you think Rupert Murdoch bought out Zondervan? Is it because Rupert Murdoch is like a, um, you know, a, a benevolent, like sort of trending, sort of Christian-like kind of dude, Aussie dude? No. It's because of the money that there is in Christianity today. If you look at the ads that are in newspapers and on television, and you think they know me, you're right. And if you think they don't know me, most of the times you're wrong. They actually do know us. Okay? What does the Apostle Paul say? The Apostle Paul says this. He says, from now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. And I ask you again, where are the brand marks in the evangelical church? Now listen, people, I fully know that because I'm preaching this doesn't mean I bear the brand marks. That's a decision you have to make. I will tell you I have the brand marks. I will tell you this church was started on the brand marks of a number of people.
shepherds. You have the true shepherds. The sheep have to choose. How will you choose? a good band and if the pastor has published books and if Ding dong. What am I saying? That's of hell. That's Satan that's teaching. I think about the Apostle Paul. Okay, what do I think about the Apostle Paul? Love the Apostle Paul. I'm God. mouth was a potty mouth. Did you know that? And I love him. And you know why? Because I am and J.I. Packer and
the whole book talking about what a brilliant man he was and his astute observations and on and on and on. It very thing that demonstrates the brand marks of Jesus is why the intellectuals look down their nose at John. 